Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. So we're now going into our other facility. That's our water. Do research on that. Uh, yeah, so what we were doing in this facility up until um, the end of Tuesday was actually looking at thermal tolerance. So we were warming the water and looking at how families performed um, from the New Zealand King Salmon Company Breeding Program. And we were able to identify families that um, are still feeding and growing at, at higher temperatures. This is Voices, and I'm Kadamri Ragukumar. This week we're in Nelson, standing in Cawthorn Institute's Finn Fish Breeding Lab, where scientist Jane Simmons has been helping Marlborough's salmon industry cope with climate change. In front of us are large tubs holding salmon. They're being monitored for growth and feeding habits. Sea water is being pumped into these tubs from the ocean that's just a few metres outside the aquaculture park here at Cawthorn. Jane's an expert in genetics and selective breeding, but working with fish wasn't exactly something she'd foreseen growing up in the UK. What are some of the earliest memories you've had of, of the ocean now that you work in the industry? Yeah, it, it's very interesting because I grew up in an in a industrial northern England in a mining town in Yorkshire and uh, never really saw the sea. <laughs> but we did go on a, a caravan holiday on the east coast and... <laughs> Occasionally, so I used to dream of going to the sea when it was summer, and we didn't even have a river locally, right? So, oh so it didn't really feature in my life very much until I came, actually, to live in um, Christchurch, right? And suddenly realised, you know, there's a whole, whole beautiful world out there, and being having the sea on your doorstep was was fantastic. So have you always worked on, on salmon, on genetics and, and salmon here in New Zealand, or has it been other? I mean, I started off on cats and then, and then, and then fruit flies, Drosophila, and, and then salmon, oh. uh, and then realised I really liked working on fish. And why is that? I guess just so they were interesting, but they also had that um, applied side of it. So seeing that the work could be of benefit, you know, um, and aquaculture, yeah, that was... That really appealed to me to be able to work um, on that side of things. And I was lucky enough to get hired by a salmon farming company in New Zealand um, and ended up setting up their breeding program. This was like in, the, in 1994. Jane's been at Cawthorn for about five years now. She's part of a really global team of experts here with nearly 300 scientists from 35 different countries. Cawthorn seems to attract quite a few overseas scientists. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's, Nelson is a great place to live, New Zealand's a great place to live, so a lot of scientists want to come here, but also there's a, you know, we advertise for positions, they're very specialist often, and so we really end up having to look globally for, for the expertise. So it's a, it's a bit of both, it's, you know, bringing in that expertise, plus also, you know, um, people realise it's a great place to be. 
But for New Zealand's salmon industry that's located here, it's not all smooth sailing in Marlborough at the moment. With global warming and an industry based on farming a cold water species of salmon that's susceptible to even half a degree or one degree change in water temperature, the challenge is huge. We've been selecting for these traits like growth and product quality. How can we now look at what we need to do to make our stocks resilient to climate change? And so that's an important question as part of the industry adaptation to what's coming or what's happening now because they've already been impacted. To give a sense of the scale of that impact, last year was the first time New Zealand king salmon had to close some of its farms because of higher ocean temperatures. That caused a net loss of 55.7 million for the company in the 2022 financial year, with thousands of tons of fish having to be dumped in nearby Blenheim's landfill. Yeah, so we've started working with them to sort of look at can you breed for, for temperature tolerance? So that's one of the key questions. So we didn't know that. Um, and so we set up a, a temperature challenge working with the New Zealand King Salmon Company and their breeding program to be able to test families in our facility. And what have some of the findings from that program been? Yeah, it looks really good. So there is a genetic component to temperature tolerance. It's got a good heritability. You can breed from it. And so King Salmon now will take the data that we got from their, their families and, and and select their families say, you know, based on that information to uh, yeah, improve the thermal tolerance. So that's really exciting. We've now done it for two-year classes and uh, two different groups. And, um, yeah, so it looks really promising. So we're at the FinFish Research Centre now. And what are these biosecurity measures we've got to go through? Just to make sure that we don't inadvertently introduce any pests or pathogens into the facility so to go into um, where we rear the animals yeah we have to um, put new boots on we have to wash and disinfect our hands what we do is we warm the water up um, to a point that's not optimal for the salmon and then we look at how the salmon respond to that and then we we then pick out the ones that that do well at the higher temperature and then we can relate that back to to how they would do in the farms. New Zealand is the world's biggest supplier of king or Chinook salmon. We account for about 85% of global supply. Faced with the increasing impact of climate change, Jane thinks selectively breeding thermotolerant fish could help avoid mass die-offs like the industry saw last year. But how does that actually work? So standard breeding program in aquaculture is where you take certain crosses between a male and a female broodstock and that produces a family um, like brothers and sisters right and they're all genetically related to some extent um, and you create maybe a hundred of these families right and so they've got different genetics across the families and then you basically um, can then evaluate those families and see how they how they do. So that can be in any kind of, it can be growth, it can be um, the colour of the flesh, it can be the, the consumer quality, it, it can be thermal tolerance, it can be disease resistance. So you evaluate the families and then you get an idea of this is a really good family, it does well, this is not a very good family. And because, because you know the genetics and the parentage, you can work out how much is genetics influencing the difference in the you know the performance that you're seeing. It's a relatively small tank for a lot of fish. It seems yeah, like. it's pretty low density actually. Really? Yeah. So 
How many fishermen are there? Um, there's probably about 250. Yeah. So quite low density. Uh, yeah. So you mean we can get a lot more dense than we this? We can. Where would can. they swim? They're literally bumping into each other. Uh, basically, they're, they're bumping into each other because we're standing here and disturbing them. Normally they would be swimming around in circles. Oh. Right. And they just do that all day, swim around in circles? They do, they. We feed them and they swim around in circles all day. But that's not natural behaviour though, is it? Yeah, I mean, and then... And they do, I mean, they're obviously a migratory species, so out in the sea they'd be travelling long distances. Right? But not swimming around in circles all day? No, not swimming around in circles in the sea. But, you know, if, if the salmon is, is okay and it's happy in its environment, you know, we can tell that from the fact that it's growing and it's feeding and we've got a whole lot of diagnostics to make sure that the welfare of the fish is, is, is good. Right. So, I mean, I guess this whole situation begs the question with, with large-scale farming of fish like salmon. As such, it's, it's contributing in many ways to climate change, mm-hmm. the scale of it. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, you're trying to adapt the fish, adapt the industry mm-hmm. to rising temperatures by growing mm-hmm. fish that are thermoresistant or thermotolerant. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it just be more economical to just completely not even farm at that level and switch to another industry that might be more sustainable? I think, I mean, that's a good question. But if you think about it, if we compare, like, salmon production in sea pens is a very, very efficient system. If you compare it, we've just done a life cycle assessment for salmon, and if you look as a way of producing very nutritious protein, it's a very, you know, it has lower lower emissions or uh, than many other protein sources and also salmon has lots of other human nutrition benefits like omega-3s um, you know people also love to to eat it um, so I think it's a yeah it's it's a good species um, to be to be farming okay so wild relying on wild fish catch alone won't meet global demands salmon farming is an industry with a reputation for its high environmental impacts From manufacturing fish feed for the salmon to concentrated amounts of pollutants released into the water. We do need to put them in the right place and also have the right genetics in the right place. And, you know, there's also room for diversification, like there's work being done on kingfish and there's work being done on snapper, right, to try and diversify. And we're always rethinking the priorities and developing new ways to measure the traits that come along that are more are important for the for the future. If you think about the ocean that we have in New Zealand and what we can farm in that ocean, doing it sustainably and efficiently, and you know taking environmental impact into consideration, you know we can help produce nutritious protein with lower emissions for for the future uh, and become you know less reliant on just sort of sheep and beef and other products. So I think it's got a place in that journey forward. Dr. Jane Simmons from Cawthorne Institute in Nelson talking to me about ways in which salmon fisheries can adapt to climate change. My name is Kadhambri Ragukumar and every week I bring you stories from around New Zealand featuring people from around the world who live here. You can follow Voices on Apple, iHeartRadio and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.